Happy Monday, and welcome to another episode of the Sneak Preview, a Filmgasm Productions podcast that follows the current film calendar. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb Lejay. And today we're covering three out of seven of this weekend's releases, because frankly, we don't have the time and we don't have the will, because some of these, most of these were horribly received, and we just didn't want to put ourselves through that. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I know I'm currently living a, uh, a transient lifestyle so i'm only going to go out so many times to see movies currently i understand and i have a lot of time but not nearly as much willpower to watch some of this shit so some of this stuff we can just kind of you know blow away and let it recede into the wind and never be heard from again yeah like along with you know, the joke about my transit life. So it's also like, we were talking about before record, like it'd be one thing if let's say of these seven films, five of them would be stellar reviews. They're must-see movies. Then yeah, I'd be a little more interested in being like, I can make time for like these five movies. But like when it's like seven films and most of them are getting horrendously reviewed, it's like, I get it, film subjective and I could easily like these films that everyone else is hating, but I wasn't really interested to begin with. And then I'm seeing the reason I'm like, I can wait on this fucking movie. I don't need to see it this weekend. Yeah. As long as we get at least one in the hole, we're good. And then I'll do some, you know, some background prep. If you know, there's some other stuff that's easy, easy act, easily accessible and or well-reviewed and worth my time. Yeah. Uh, so our main focus will be the night house. And um, then I'll talk a bit about the protege and reminiscence. Due to time constraints and horrific reviews, we will not be covering Demonic, Flag Day, Annette, or Sweet Girl. There's simply too much out there. So, and we would frankly like to put our energy towards better stuff. Uh, We've done so many of these now, you know, from January 1st to now, we've kept up with this show. And on the whole, it's not been a great year for films. There's been a lot more shit than there has been gems. Yeah, and you know, like I was telling you earlier, like it's like you can. I'm hoping next year it'll release schedule a lot better as far as like what they put. But I think a lot of it is like you know, 2020, a lot of stuff got delayed to this year. Yeah, I think I would say you know, roughly what 90% of the films I know some stuff still got released, but a very good chunk got pushed to this year. So it's like you're, I feel like we're feeling a lot of that is the big thing. I think it's like a mixture of like that and then, you know, Netflix's fucking quantity of quality belief. It's just making it a jam-packed year more than most. And I'm hoping 2022 kind of evens out a little bit because I know like even with the whole Delta variant that's going around right now, I have not seen a lot of them get the lakes. I think they're at a point where they really can't afford to push back again. What bothers me more than anything is that, especially with Netflix, is we get maybe a week like between releases like between trailer and release we have no time to find out about these films it's just like hey by the way next week jason momoa movie you had never heard of like fuck well now i gotta deal with that so for my own sanity i'm gonna like cut my watch list in half going forward and just kind of try to focus on stuff that's getting well received or is easier to get yeah exactly man like look i'll be honest with you like i only i only watch night houses we was like i, I can't and yeah, I, actually, I don't blame you <laughs> yeah i i instead i found time to watch uh finally watch some Fulci movies you know i was telling you i watched 
Beyond and City of Living Dead. And I actually literally today finished watching the New York Ripper. Um, and I had way more fun watching those, and I probably would have do a good chunk of like these seven films. Um, I finally watched In Search of Darkness Part Two, um, a horror documentary on 80s horror, the second part to it, you know, and I had more fun doing that than attempting to try to see the sea of what was not getting where we see films this weekend, honestly, 100%. Yeah, and another thing, <laughs> and I know we're starting this out with a pretty negative rant, but I don't care. My show, goddammit. Anyway. <laughs> I am so done with art films. Like, so done. And I'm done being tricked into watching an art film. That is done, too. I'm vetting this shit a lot more heavily now. <laughs> it's happened so many times where I end up, I'm, I'm watching a movie and I'm like, oh, fuck, this is, this has a message. <laughs> this is a metaphor. Fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm done with that. Not that I don't mind a movie with a message or the metaphor, but when it's heavy-handed and has no story around it, fuck that movie. Are you seeing where I'm coming from now? Are you getting what I say when it comes to messages in film? I'm not are quite. You, I'm getting that. I don't mind pol- are you, politics. At are you much. getting there at least? I'm getting there, yes. As far as like, I don't care about, you know, I don't care if a movie has, you know, the diversity aspect and the political message. I really don't care if it's not hitting it, me over the head with it, like if there's still story and characters and stuff like that being told, I'm all down. I can watch. It's the moment that I'm just like, you're focusing on this a little bit more than your plot, a little bit more than your characters, but that's when I kind of start to turn away. So let's put it this way. I am not looking forward to watching a two and a half hour rock opera Starring Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, and the dude from The Big Bang Theory. I got a half hour in and said, fuck it. And I felt great. (laughs) It felt great just saying no. (laughs) Like, I'm still a film junkie, but I'm only taking the good stuff now. Yeah. 2020 2020 has been like the year of like, do you really want to watch all this stuff? Because, uh, we didn't get put it out last year, so it's coming out this year. God, and I'm like, no, I don't want to watch all your goddamn shit you're coming out with. Oh, God. Because, yeah, but at the same time, it's been an interesting year because it's like the year we're getting like Dune and Jackass Forever in the same goddamn weekend. And then the weekend before that, we're getting Venom, Let There Be Connors, and Halloween Kills. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, all of that is stuff I know is going to entertain me. A little iffy on Dune, but we'll see. And I just, I, I, Annette and the Night House and, you know, A24's got Lamb coming out soon. You're I'm going to probably just bail on that. I, I don't like this shit. Yeah, I've been on the A24, A24 train a long time ago. I liked them when they first came out, like the Witch and Hereditary, when I realized that they were doing the same shit still and like yeah like you said to me like their trailers are super deceiving and they have not they have been really bringing in that whole like new term i hate with a fucking passion it's right up there with the word suspense uh elevated not suspense i'm sorry thriller it's right up there with that elevated horror like oh my fucking god and for those of you who listen to the show and are thinking but connor you liked Pig. That was A24. 
Well, let me explain that. Pig was an A24 drama, but more so, that was a Nicolas Cage movie. And that man can cut through any genre like a goddamn Jinsu knife. So Cage comes first. I don't care what production company. I don't care if it's a musical. I don't care if it's a drama. I don't care if it's an art film. It's a cage film first. So let that be known. As soon as that man agrees to star in your movie, it's no longer your movie. It's Nicolas Cage's movie. Yes. He could be in it for two seconds and have no lines. It belongs to him. So Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yes. (laughs) As Brad's bud, I believe. I yeah, he literally just looks up and goes, uh-huh, shakes his head, and then like looks back at his fucking baddies. Uh, yeah, no, speaking of which, dude, I am so pumped for that new Cage film, Prisoners of the Ghostland. Oh, my Oh, yeah, Austin God. was doing the episode where we talked about that trailer, wasn't he? So you didn't yeah. get to talk about that. No. Right oh, yeah, you guys, you were, I know you mentioned me when you said, like, because I, I sent you that text. I'm really excited, like, dude, I'm so pumped. Like, the plot, Cage, Mosley. The trailer, I'm, I'm so fucking in on that movie. And the I'm fact, like, God, sorry. And the fact that Cage said that this is his craziest film he's ever done, I'm like, <laughs> I'll say it. I'm about to cream my pants on this fucking movie. This is like ultimate Cage, I feel like we're getting right now. I mean, if you look at the grand scope of his career, the most, the insane shit he has been a part of and responsible for most of the time, this is, this is the peak. This is the craziest thing he's ever done. Not Mandy, not Colorado Space, this. <laughs> so buckle the fuck up. This is going to be something special. Yeah, I, oh, God, I can't, oh, I can't wait. Can't fucking wait. <laughs> well, with that, let's take a look at what happened last week in film. Last week in film. First up, two trailers to discuss. The first, Joe Carnahan's Cop Shop, starring Gerard Butler as a hitman who is hot on the trail of a con artist played by Frank Grillo. Comes out September 17th. And uh, Joe Carnahan has a pretty great track record. And Frank Grillo has just endeared himself to me over the past couple of years. And uh, I'm warming up to Gerard Butler. I'm not a huge fan, but I've enjoyed more than I've hated. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, This looks entertaining at the very least. Yeah, uh, yeah, like I said, Carnahan's track record is pretty awesome. Um, like I said, you know, today's very sensitive, if you will, culture. Um, the fact that he kind of keeps making these like really macho like action films, I gotta give him credit for being able to still make these. Grant, I know he doesn't really put anything like super like offensive or risque that I've seen at least, um, in his movies, but the fact that he can still make these. It feels very like he's really, to me, he brings like an 80s action style and flavoring to his films I appreciate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Frank Grillo, since I think I want to say Captain America, The Winter Soldier, um, has really kind of come into his own. Like I like I like them in the, the two Purge movies he did. Um, and I, I recently watched Boss Level and he was awesome in that. Um, and then Gerard Butler, yeah, like he's not my favorite actor, but I think when he gets the right part, especially if it's like something like action, something like this, he really excels. I, I saw him recently in Den of Thieves, 
and he was really really good in that uh really good movie actually so i'm, I'm excited for this one and i think the the other hitman was the goofy dad in halloween 2018 if i'm not mistaken right i think so i thought it was someone else but then i was like wait is that who i think and then it wasn't but I, now that it's been a while since I've seen the trailer, so I can't remember who the fuck flashed through my head. But I just remember being like, is that? And then it wasn't. But I saw the trailer earlier today when I went and saw The Protege. So it's pretty fresh for me. Uh, I also saw the trailer for a documentary I keep seeing the trailer for called The Jesus Music. That's about the history of Christian music. So fuck that. Uh, no, I don't care at all. Uh, maybe a documentary on like all those Christian like metal bands that are just so like we don't do Christian music, Christian metal, Christian rock, Christian country, Christian rap, everything. It's all about Christian music and how much it means <laughs> to the fabric of America. And to me, it means dick. So I'm not seeing it. I always think of South Park when Cartman started the Christian band, Faith Plus One. Yeah, <laughs> Butters frogs in them at the end. Um, it was the dad in Halloween 2018, so he is in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he has to do something else because Michael Myers killed his character, so. And nobody seemed to care. You know, you noticed that? Yeah, no one cared. I like they <laughs> they established what looked to be a very good family household, you know, and then like the dad dies and no one, no one yeah. blinks an eye. And you're a peep from. Like Judy Greer or the daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis. No one said anything about Ray. He got choked out by Michael Myers in the front yard. No one said anything. Yeah. I think, yeah, because as soon as like his daughter goes low, she just does that fucking line I hate. Grandma, grandma, where are you? I've started calling my own grandma grandma just out of like habit because of that movie. I look, I love Halloween 2018. Uh, hint, hint, you know, look forward to possible. We'll talk about that later down the line. Uh, but goddamn, I hate that line of dialogue so much in that movie. Dear Lord, Grandma, Grandma. Uh, there's one thing I'm looking forward to for Halloween Kills it's to see that douchey boyfriend get it because oh I was gosh, yes. I, the guy who threw her phone into the pudding and is like, You're gonna get that? <laughs> like, fuck this guy. Like, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Michael fuck that kid up. Yeah, dude, I'm just looking forward to that new one. I love how like people are like, dude, the trailer ruins so many kills, and they had to be like, you're only seeing like one percent of the movie. Because apparently, like the rumor going around is that this new one has like an insane body count. I believe that. I mean, the trailer alone had more had a higher body count than the first movie. Yeah, because <laughs> well, and they're hyping up to be like it's like the town versus Michael. Like they've had enough. They're going after him now. I love that idea. That is so cool. To see Michael, like, kind of on the run is a great concept. This is going to be fucking neat. Yeah. I got it. I cannot wait. And then that that bit of uh, score that Carpenter uh, released on YouTube a couple days ago, like, a little different than the normal Halloween score, like, a little more charged, almost like, you know, Michael running for his life, almost. Yeah, well, you kind of get that in the trailer. Because remember in the trailer, you played a little bit of the theme, and it was a lot more sped up and quicker. And it really kind of highlighted, like, this isn't the same Halloween. Like, this is now, you've had kind of like the template Halloween for 2018, but now you're getting like a new type of one with Halloween kills. I just, <laughs> this is stupid, but I don't fucking care. 
I recently watched The Fugitive uh, just for kicks. Love that movie. And I'm just picturing like they call in Tommy Lee Jones to like hunt him down. He's like, our suspect is Michael Myers. <laughs> Go get him. <laughs> like just confronting him at a, at a waterfall. And my, Michael like takes off his mask and he's just like, I didn't kill my wife. It's like, what are you talking about? You killed hundreds of teenagers. <laughs> I don't know. My, I, don't, I think it's stupid shit sometimes. Or have like that deep, deeply thoughtful uh, Tommy Lee Jones from um, Fuck, the Coen Brothers movie. No Country oh, for Old Men. Yeah, wow, well, I'm I'm liking hard tonight. It's a long day, I guess. But yeah, have that that one hunting him down. He just keeps going on weird tangents <laughs> throughout <laughs> the movie. <laughs> I I want to see Tommy Lee Jones fight Michael Myers. I want that very much. I'll never get it, but I want it. Oh, we'll never get it. He's probably too grumpy. Too much of a grumpy pants and agree to that. Three Men in Black movies, but one Halloween movie. That's too much. <laughs> ah, fuck it. I thought even then they had to like really convince them to do the third Men in Black. You ever watch the outtakes of those movies? No. He and Will Smith got along very well, which you never, I never would have thought. Like, they'll screw up. Like, Will Smith made Tommy Lee Jones break character, like, and laugh. It's that's amazing. <laughs> so Tommy Lee Jones, that man's notoriously grumpy. Yeah, like there's there was uh, some outtakes in the first film, or it might have been the second film, and Will Smith says something, and Tommy Lee Jones just goes like, "Yeah," and completely like loses character, and they have to reset. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> oh yeah, Will Smith. <laughs> oh well, anyway, Cop Shop, September seventeenth. <laughs> Uh, yeah next up the second trailer for marvel's eternals which features an all-star cast including richard madden angelina jolie salma hayek kit harrington kumail nanjani and many more uh directed and co-written by oscar winner chloe Zhao, this appears to be a massive game changer for marvel hits theaters november 5th this is a pretty ethereal weird film that like nobody really knows anything about uh cool that marvel can experiment like that now but uh i think this looks neat uh i'm excited to see the celestials in action that's going to be wild uh but i'm still very unclear about what this is <laughs> it, i i will say like that first the teaser trailer didn't, didn't really sell me i remember watching just being like okay not really sold on this movie though marvel um this one sold me a little bit more it definitely had a little bit more of like a okay i kind of want to see what this is all about um but yeah i don't like it does it looks like you know it's gonna be a game changer it looks like they're going to be doing multiverse stuff in this one that's what i was kind of getting that again that whole loki ending really seemed to affect something here um so i didn't i did appreciate how they kind of explained why they were never involved in anything up to this point I did like that little throwaway line in the trailer to at least be like, no, we, we understand. Like, we have these people that you would think would get involved, but this is why they didn't. Um, yep. If the deviants aren't involved, they're not involved. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious on, like, what this will, you know, its place in the MCU currently, what it will lead to. Like, I'm very – this trailer really made me a lot more curious and a lot, a lot, me, a lot more willing to see it. Like down the road, I don't see these guys helping fight Kang the Conqueror with like Shang Chi and Blade. 
<laughs> like, I just don't see these guys as Avengers. No, and not even just because, like, the characters, but also because the actors, like, I don't see them keeping Angelina Jolie around for a long, long time. Yeah, especially, like, Kit Harrington, who just got out of the, you know, Game of Thrones uh, commitment to then latch on to another, like, 10-year commitment. Yeah. I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. I can see him keeping uh, someone like Kumau, not Gianni. I can keep, I can see him staying for sure. Yeah. Um, and Richard Madden, I can see him staying too. Yeah, I can see him being like, I'll stay. But he, also, if you notice, he kind of, I got the feeling he's like the main character in this trailer. I think he's the leader, I think. But then again, you know, I don't know anything about the Eternals. From yeah, Marvel. I'm only saying because he was pretty much in the trailer the most for this one. So I was like, okay, so it's, I'm assuming he's the one we're following. Like he's the main, the main guy. I think so. Still. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I do, I know they were going on about like the look of this film a long time ago and how this is like their most down to earth looking film with like the way and they approach like how they light and do the cinematography for this film a lot different than prior Marvel movies. And seeing yeah. this earlier, I got that. It does not look like a lot of the other Marvel films that come out. This is a very weird, like grounded look to it that I kind of appreciate. Like, you know, it's like Marvel again, really being willing to embrace and experiment a lot more nowadays, which I do appreciate a lot. Well, a lot of that comes from Chloe Zhao, who um, I don't know if you got a chance to see Nomadland. I haven't. I've been hearing a lot about it. And I might check it out before I go see the Eternals, actually. Yeah, you, you should because it's, uh, you know, that's what Chloe Zhao won an Oscar for, for that film, it won Best Picture. But also, that film is built on cinematography. And the look of that film is very similar to the look of Eternals, like at the, you know, like at the very um, building block level. So I think she's very good at building a world. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what she does with this. Yeah. Like I said, this is, I would probably say between like, you know, um, Shang-Chi, I'm sorry, Shang-Chi, sorry about that. I've been saying it like Shang-Chi for so long until they finally confirmed how to say it. It's just natural now. So between Shang-Chi, this uh, Eternals, and um, Spider-Man coming up, I'm probably the most intrigued by Eternals, if that makes sense. Like, I'm really excited for Shang-Chi and to see them rectify the fucking um, the Mandarin, because God knows that's long overdue. Um, I'm obviously very, very excited for what, Spider-Man will be bringing with the multiverse stuff and all that good stuff. But like, as far as intrigued of what, like what it is, Eternals is like, for me, the most intriguing one. Yeah, I get that. You know, we know what to expect with Shang-Chi and Spider-Man. While I think we aren't going to be able to call pretty much any of it, it's going to be exciting. Eternals is of, is up in the air. We don't know anything about it, but it has the, you know, I think the most potential. Yeah. It, it's almost kind of like like it's kind of like when Guardians, like the first Guardians came out, and like everyone thought that was going to flop, and it was kind of like, what is this compared to the rest of Marvel? You know what I mean? I kind of I'm not going to say it's like to that level, obviously, but it's definitely there. And they're like, what is this compared to what the rest of Marvel's given us? Yeah, I get it. Um, continuing with Marvel, uh, Ben Kingsley and Tim Roth are confirmed to be part of the cast of Marvel's Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings reprising their MCU roles as Trevor Slattery and Abomination, respectively. Which means, <laughs> I personally think that real Mandarin is going to fucking execute fake Mandarin for the audience. <laughs> yes. I am, again, kind of, I'm kind of actually, like, with that trailer that showed Abomination, 
Um, I'm kind of mad. Like Marvel, I don't know if like they have more stuff in store for us. I'm like, stop. Like I didn't. I, it would have been way cooler had I not known Ben Kingsley was going to pop up in Shang Chi in like two fucking weeks. <laughs> I know it's amazing they're keeping anything a secret with Spider Man, considering Marvel. Like they don't really do that anymore. They kind of just like like you you know they we know everyone going in most of the time, and I do wish that we wouldn't. Like I wish they hadn't told us Alfred Molina was coming back in Spider Man. Because mm-hmm. just to have that moment of like, holy shit, it's Doc Ock from Spider Man 2. Oh my God. Yeah. To have that moment would have been really cool. I mean, I'm still going to have that moment, but oh, yeah, to have so- that moment without any prior knowledge would be so much better. And then to see just them like, you know, the real Mandarin wheel out Trevor Slattery in a cage and just like light him on fire or something <laughs> would be pretty damn satisfying. Yeah. Like I said, it's it's cool that to know it and get it confirmed. But yeah, I would have been way. I've been just fine not knowing because I actually wasn't even thinking about it. Um, and yeah, it's almost amazing. Like somehow they're keeping a better rap on Spider-Man, which, you know, Tom Holland has been notorious for spilling the beans. They're keeping a better rap on that right now than Shang-Chi. And this is the thing. Marvel's doing it with Shang-Chi. Like it's not like it by accident. Marvel's one that's like, oh yeah, Abomination's in it. And we're bringing back Ben Kingsley. I'm like, Marvel, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, what boy. is it with Shang Chi that you guys are trying to fucking prove? <laughs> um, moving on to more Marvel, uh, oh, Dominique oh. Thorne has been cast in Black Panther: Wakanda Forever as young scientist Riri Williams, aka Ironheart, who is slated to get her own Disney Plus series titled Ironheart sometime in the near future. So they're introducing this character in Black Panther Two. And I know I don't know anything about Ironheart. I read up on her. She's a young girl who's a brilliant scientist who manages to build her own Tony Stark style armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess something to do with with Wakanda now. So we'll see. Yeah, this one I was actually not mad about. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Because you know, I mean, yeah, like I said, we know the show's coming out, so it was a matter of time before they cast someone for it. Um, cool that she's going. They somehow the storyline will introduce her in Black Panther two. Um, but yeah, like you, man, like it's getting to a point with the MCU where like they're using a lot of characters I'm not familiar with, like unless it's, you know, bringing Blade back or upcoming. Whenever X-Men and Fantastic Four come out, well, Fantastic Four is all but confirmed to be the end of this phase. Marvel just hasn't said anything yet. Um, but, you know, besides these characters we are bringing back that we haven't seen in a while, like we're entering territory of like characters I don't know much about. I mean, between Ironheart, uh, the Eternals. Shang-Chi. It's a lot of characters that I don't know about. And I brought it up actually with uh, my VGR Nighthouse. Uh, Night for every like sequel, and it, I applied it to horror though, but I applied it to anything. For every sequel or like like something that's connected to a known franchise I get excited for, I get more excited for something I don't know, something fresh. And I mean, obviously I know Shang-Chi Eternals are connected to the Marvel Comics and Ironheart Ironheart, but like I don't know much about those, so a part of me is almost more excited for it. So I'm like, well, I don't know much about this, so there's a mystery that I, I, I'm, I'm curious on. Yeah, I get you. I'm, I, I, Marvel has shown so many times that they are so good at adapting their own characters, giving us so many incredible movies and now so many cool TV shows that I, I, I'm pretty much just willing to give them endless carte blanche to just 
impress me. I I, I know I'm gonna like it every time. Yeah, so bring it on. Honestly, I would. I always still be like. I think some of my more least favorite movies are from their early years. Honestly, as as time's gone on, like their new stuff just almost consistently hits for me. I think the only newest one I was like lukewarm on was Captain Marvel. Yeah, I think that was the only one recently I was lukewarm on. Besides that, I've those guys Marvel MCU. It's not the DCEU. They actually get their shit right. <laughs> Speaking of the DCEU, oh god damn it. <laughs> Uh, Journey Smollett will be returning to the role of Black Canary for her own solo spinoff uh, from Birds of Prey. Lovecraft Country showrunner Misha Green will be heavily involved as either writer or director. So Black Canary is getting her own movie. Supposedly. <laughs> yeah, supposedly. The latest to be promised their own movie. I'm starting to think it's a fucking pyramid scheme. <laughs> you know, like you get have- a movie and then you get two friends to give you a movie. Like just... <laughs> Dude, I have... I'm like you, man. I don't know what the DCU, unless there's a release date and they're filming, I have no faith when they just announce something. I don't, dude, even when there's a release date and filming, I, I wait till there's a trailer before I give any like thought to it. I'm like, I want to see footage or this isn't real. <laughs> God, I, it's like, I will say they seem to be slowly getting better with what they tell us is coming out. Like, I know uh, the current, guy in charge of this because they've gone through like three or four people because they can't figure out what the fuck they want to do well wb not the dc people uh he seems to be doing good about sticking to what he says is coming out i know like they're doing that thing where like i think they want to do like two theatrical release films a year then two more that go to hbo max because they're riskier they it's safer that way and that seems to be staying true i know they finally casted batgirl after fucking years of promising us that movie so hopefully this can this continues the train of them actually sticking what they say but goddamn i no, i don't have faith until i see a goddamn release date and that they're filming honestly i'm let's say 60 percent sure that they might just go ahead and fucking shelve black adam just for the hell of it they would they're like well we're not sure <laughs> Um, (laughs) next up there's a biopic in the works that'll be telling the story of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry Adam Mazur who wrote the TV movie You Don't Know Jack which told the story of Dr. Jack Kevorkian has already written a script so they're making Gene Roddenberry's story nice Okay. yeah good I mean obviously the guys who have a huge influence on pop culture with Star Trek so it's only a matter of time Bet they're going to call it Gene. Yeah. No, they're going to go with some fucking Star Trek title, I bet. Live long and prosper? Yeah, it's going to be... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> there's there's going to be something like... There's going to be some kind of fucking Star Trek pun. You know what it is. Like the Final Frontier or some shit like that. That's not a. That's not bad. <laughs> the Wrath uh, of Gene. The Wrath of Gene. Apparently, yeah, he, there were moments where he was like, this is not Star trek enough. So he did have a bit of a wrath. Um, <laughs> I'm ex- I like biopics, so bring it on. Hey, dude, I, I, I like it more when we do stuff. I'm actually interested. Like, I, I'd watch this one. I like Star Trek. I'm, I can sit there. I know you can't, too. You can say that, like, you don't need to live in a world where it's Star Trek or Star Wars. You can like fucking both. I like fucking both. 
I can be a Vulcan with a fucking lightsaber and no one can do a goddamn thing about it. <laughs> like if free live guy, long and may the force be with you. If free guy can do captain America's shield in a lightsaber, I think it's okay guys. <laughs> what the shit. That was, <laughs> that was so, I was not expecting that. I'm so glad. See again, keeping things close to the chest, not fucking telling me. I was so glad that it wasn't like put out by anyone because when I got to that scene, I died. The whole theater, including myself, died. And he goes, what the shit? And they started nothing, nothing made me laugh harder than dude. Catchphrase. <laughs> Friendly gesture. <laughs> that was such a great idea. Is it becoming a thing for Ryan Reynolds to play like the main character and then some offshoot character? Because he did it with Deadpool 2 also, remember? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. He's good at it. <laughs> He's good at it. Oh, boy. Um, ending on some sad news. Uh, martial arts movie veteran Sonny Chiba has passed away at 82 years old following a battle with COVID-19. Chiba was known mostly for his role as master sword maker Hattori Hanzo in Kill Bill, as well as his role as mercenary karate master Terry in the Street Fighter films. He had over 200 acting credits when he died, and his legacy speaks for itself. This sucked. I did not like seeing this. Fucking Sonny Chiba. I loved Sonny Chiba. Yeah, I, uh, I saw the, the group text, uh, but I usually try to, I try to save my thoughts from if I know I'm going to be on this uh, sync preview. Yeah. Um, to say it. And yeah, dude, this is a loss. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of martial arts films. The guy was a master, a legend when it came to that fucking legend. And, you know, like this is, I'm not going to use this as a PSA about fucking, about COVID, which, you know what? I will say this. This should be, if anyone's on the fence, go get the fucking vaccine because it took out, look, it took out a goddamn martial arts legend. The, yeah. I mean, Kill Bill alone, like that little scene he had in Kill Bill was fucking beautiful. Uh, yeah, this was devastating to hear. I uh, Not two weeks ago, I was at the uh, local DVD exchange store and I picked up a copy of The Street Fighter. Just because I was like, I, my dad loves that movie. Said it's like one of the best martial arts movies of all time. And I thought, yeah, why not? Seven bucks. And now I'm like, I'm... I, I'm really glad I bought that because now I can now I can experience the Street Fighter and give this guy his due props. Exactly. I mean, this you know you can look at the martial art film you know landscape and you know like what you know Bruce Lee gets like most of the talk right like you're always hearing about him, but Sony Chiba laid the groundwork for Bruce Lee for you know Chet Lee and for all these other guys that you know we have now not. You know, Donnie Yen and um, and uh, the guys in the raid, right? Like, I mean, all the way to now, like he he laid the groundwork for that and what we have now with it. Like, he was the guy. Well, Sonny Chiba was, you know, Bruce Lee was, you know, very uh, almost like it was an like an equation the way he fought. It was so precise. Whereas Sonny Chiba was a fucking brawler. Like he he attacked and. Just, you know, he had his own legacy separate from, I'm sure all these guys had to measure up to Bruce Lee. And, but I think Sonny Chiba existed in his own world where he had his own way of doing things and he 
built up his own legacy. And that's fucking awesome. And yeah, to me, he'll always be a Tori Hanzo. And uh, this really was a fucking bummer. I'm, 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 I'm really, uh, I'm going to miss him. Yeah. Her, uh, her Tori Hanzo is actually my intro to Sonny Chu, but I was like, I remember when I saw that and I was like, oh, who's this guy? And I looked it up and I, that's how I learned about him. Thanks to, thanks to Tarantino. That's how I learned about him was like, I looked him up and I was like, wow, I didn't realize like the, the credits and the, the legacy and just the fucking like what this, what he left behind. I mean, like I said, we, we lost the legend, you know, we didn't just lose a martial arts expert. We didn't just lose uh, a prolific actor. We lost a legend. That's, that's always hard to me more than anything. Like it's death is hard in, in general when we lose these people, but when you lose a legend like him or like when Wes Craven died, you know, that's me. That was a legend. We lost a legend then, yeah. you know, it's the same thing here. Oscars committee, 2022, the Academy. Don't fucking leave out Sonny Chiba when you do the in memoriam. Remember him. Like I, I fucking hate when they just like, they leave out a lot of niche guys and that always bugs me. Oh, they do. They do it all the time. If it's like some really niche comedian or like horror uh, directors really get the brunt of it. Um, martial arts guys, like they just always fucking forget about it. I, I think if I recall correctly, they didn't even honor Russ Craven when he passed. I think they forgot about him. Surprisingly. I can't remember. That I hope that's not true. That fucking sucks. Um, So before we get into the Nighthouse, I'd like to talk a bit about the other two films I watched this weekend, starting with Reminiscence. Oh boy. Okay. So I've seen a little over 80 of this year's uh, releases. And I, can th- I think I can say, honestly, that Reminiscence is the worst film I've seen this year. This the movie... Hmm? The worst. The worst. Yeah. This was boring as shit. It's impossible to follow. It's Inception meets Chinatown, which is a combination nobody asked for. It's written and directed by the, one of the co-creators of Westworld. So it definitely rips off and feels like a bad Westworld episode the entire time. Uh, Hugh Jackman does a decent job, but really there's not much to his character. It's just obsession. Uh, The film introduces a really cool idea of a post-apocalyptic city where like massive floods split the society into the poor who are always, who are living in the wetlands and the rich who are living in like the dry, like high rises. And there's this tension brewing the entire time and there's revolutions on this rise. But that is mentioned maybe one or two times. It's never brought on, never like dug into, it's ignored, but it's the most interesting part of this world. Instead, we're just watching Hugh Jackman try to find this woman who conned him. It's the whole movie. And it's also a kidnapping plot and a murder plot. By then I was so checked out. I, I didn't know what was going on. It, it was terrible. I gave it a four. Oh. Uh, terrible. It, you know, the trailers didn't look too good to, to me. Um, I haven't seen Westworld yet, so I remember when that popped up. I'm like, all right, cool. I haven't seen your show yet. Um, uh, and then with the cast, like, I like Hugh Jackman a lot, you know, but this one looked like he was really stretching himself in this movie. I like Rebecca Ferguson a lot, both performance and looks-wise, and it definitely looked like they made her look, you know, she's the femme fatale in this film, it looked like, but 
it didn't look like it was offering much outside of that for her. Like, you know, compared to like, you know, what I got with her in the Mission in the Mission Impossible film she's been in and um Doctor Sleep, which I really liked her in. Um, just didn't look like it was doing much for her. So like nothing in this trailer, I remember the trailer, nothing really spoke out to me that made me go, I can't wait to see this movie. I like yeah. the like the little score they had for the trailer, and that was about it. That's a song called Save My Love by a loner and it plays in the end credits and i downloaded it it's actually the one thing i really liked for the movie well say so i did like that the use of in the trailer especially when they were doing like the like the action scenes in the trailer and they were timing it with the song i'm a sucker mm-hmm. for that though so. oh yeah no action scenes in the movie by the way apart from that one little brief tussle on the rooftop it's a drama okay yeah i'm not rushing to see this look i may think rebecca like it's like i told her i can fully admit if an actress is hot and i think rebecca ferguson's hot it's not going to make me rush to see the movie though i need more <laughs> i need substance oh interesting I need uh. oh okay <laughs> it's not Don't enough that this it. actress is hot i need substance <laughs> just, just I, ironic to me. I have to say that because for years like i think it was like my mom she'd be like you only want to watch that because she saw it. i'm like no because it looks good it's just hopeful that the actress isn't I do think it's attractive. It's like, <laughs> like, if their movie looks like shit, I don't care how good looking the people are in it. I'm not rushing out to see it. I watched the first two seasons of Westworld. Uh, the first season was stellar. Super cool, super engaging, really creative. Anthony Hopkins and Ed Harris were at their best that they'd been in years. Season two, complete fucking train wreck. We, like, horribly confusing. Multiple timelines happening at once, but only this time it didn't make sense. And it was just so unnecessarily complex that it completely threw me off and I haven't even bothered to watch the third season yet. You know, I hear that from a lot of people that have watched the show, though. Like, I, I remember when the first was coming out, I was like, supposed to be, you know, HBO's next big thing. I remember the first season was, like, carrying that. I was hearing about all the time. People were like, oh, you got to watch Westworld. And then, like, season two came out, and, like, I heard nothing about Westworld since then. Like, no one was trying – it wasn't like Game of Thrones when, like, for season after season, you and a whole bunch of people were like, dude, you got to watch Game of Thrones. Like, seasons went by where I kept getting told that. Not Westworld. Like, that first season, yeah, but then, like, season two came out, and everyone just shut up. I went – Yeah. Didn't help there was, like, a three-year gap between the two and three, and now, like, I haven't heard anything about a season four – like nobody cares anymore. <laughs> Westworld pretty much went away. Eight dude, HBO was really trying to chase like that Game of Thrones success, and it's just not happening. No, it's not. And I know they're banking on this on the spin-offs now, but I I doubt that's ever gonna make it to series. I I honestly think Game of Thrones was the last major, major, major hit in traditional sense of the term for HBO as a TV channel. Damn. You might be right. You might be right. That's not me trying to be like not listening or anything. I just think with like streaming and all that stuff, I just don't see them having another hit like that. I could be absolutely wrong. And by all means, I hope I'm wrong, but I just, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. So I don't recommend reminiscence. Uh, It's on HBO max right now. If you want to watch it, I gave it a four. Lowest score I think I've given any new release film this year. And um, it's, yeah, a complete waste of time. Bummer. 
not rushing out to see it, even with the cast attached to it. Got it. <laughs> Next up, The Protégé, which ironically is the film I was expecting to suck the hardest this weekend. <laughs> and it, it's funny because I, I saw your review and I've seen the other reviews for this movie and they have not been kind. Yeah, it's sitting at like a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes right now and people are pretty much condemning it. Uh, I disagree. To me, you know, and if you listen to this show specifically, you've heard us talk about the wrong way to make a female-led action movie that we've kept seeing where it's like, you know, there's a tongue-in-cheek thing. There's always got to be a scene of like, see, women can kick ass too. And the protege didn't have that. The protege treated all of their characters like characters. And her gender didn't matter. It was about the story. And I appreciated that. I thought Maggie Q's performance was a little wooden at times. But Michael Keaton saved it. That dude rocks. I love Michael Keaton. Sure, and, I uh, Keaton also. Yeah. Uh, there were some, it was a little predictable at times. Uh, basically, you know, her mentor is killed. She goes after the guys responsible for it. They keep underestimating her. Michael Keaton is the hitman who works for the big bad guy. And he is kind of has a thing for her and is constantly trying to like have her back, but also make sure this mission goes in his favor. So it's kind of like an anti-hero approach to this guy. And I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I wasn't bored. I wasn't, you know, fuming. I was more just like, huh, all right, this is entertaining. Pretty mindless, but it was good. I, I gave it an eight. I think the protege is worth checking out. Um, currently only available in theaters. Uh, but and you could go see it or you could wait. It's whatever. It's a good. I thought it was decent, but you might hate it. <laughs> I'll wait for a DVD on this one. I'm still kind of iffy just because it, it, the trailer made it look like a John Wick clone. And like I said, we've gotten so many of these female assassin movies of like being the same thing. I mean, we're literally getting another one next month with, from Netflix. Again, from Netflix. <laughs> so it's like, I'll. I'll, I'll check it out. I'll see if, you know, I might think of the same way you think of it, but it's probably going to sell me. It's not a John Wick clone, but there is a scene where she has a bullet in her side and she's like walking through the rain trying to stop, find a place to stop and heal, which was in John Wick. <laughs> so, you know. It's, is it weird that like we go a year now, like 2020? You know, all of this year without a John Wick movie because we're not getting a new one until next year. And it's like, there's like three or four fucking, what, you know, advertised clone-like ones coming out. It's like, they can't live like, oh, wait, we don't have a John Wick movie. We need to get the next best thing. It's like a power vacuum being filled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Next year, we'll be at peace with the that vacuum. John Wick 4 is supposed to come out and that cast is stellar yeah that's gonna rock i watched as i said before i watched 30 minutes of annette just to get a taste and i was not a fan did not enjoy that flavor uh so i'm gonna actively start avoiding art films they're everywhere they're annoying and i'm done yeah. i'm not trying anymore if i find out it's an art film i'm saying you know just say no yeah art films not my cup of tea Power to all the power to Austin for loving them. 
watching them. All the power to you, bud. I'm glad you enjoy them. But it's not my cup of tea usually, so. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine either. I despise them, in fact. <laughs> so, The Night House, our big one for the week, because we didn't watch the rest of these films. I really uh, watched this film, so. <laughs> yeah. The Night House was directed by David Bruckner, who was no stranger to the horror genre. He also directed The Ritual, segments in the anthology films Southbound and VHS, and he's slated to helm the upcoming Hellraiser remake. Uh, and I know you praise the direction in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, Also, he's slated to be involved with VHS 94. He is oh, involved yeah. as well. Um, yeah, I, you know... I still, I still like Bruckner, even with my feelings of like this particular film. I still like Bruckner. You know, I like, I like his stuff in the verse and you know VHS series. I'm very excited for what he has to do with VHS 94. I love the Ritual. I don't know if you've seen that one yet. Um, highly recommend that movie. That one was really good. It goes places you don't really expect, and it keeps you on your toes throughout. And the there's a creature, there's a creature design that they do practical that's just fucking out of this world insanely amazing um hi i have a lot of praise for the ritual really really like that movie <laughs> um so speaking of creature design real quick um when i saw the uh, night house the movies i finally saw the trailer for antlers again yes i got so excited i think i was the only one in the theater got excited because i was like oh my god finally And that thing, like just a little bit you see, that movie's gonna give me fucking nightmares. I just like I know it. You know, it's like again, like I said, right? Like, you know, now going back to like the horror side of things, right? Like, don't get me wrong, I look forward to like the candy mains and the Halloweens that are coming out. Cause you know, those familiar properties, these new ones look awesome. But I'm always championing like when these more like fresh, more original stuff comes out, like you know, with the when we're talking about with the night house and now the upcoming antlers because it's something i haven't seen even if it's like just a a different take on a real one subgenre it's still something different so yeah antlers i am you know i love creature features i love that they're going practical it looks like it's going to be gory as fuck god <laughs> i cannot wait i mean you got del toro producing you got uh, the director's a really good director i am oh fuck i can't wait carrie wrestle starting like yeah i can't tell i'm really fucking excited for antlers and i'm so happy to see that trailer yeah same here i just wanted as a little aside i was like yeah we got to mention that so. yeah <laughs> sorry <Whew>. okay <laughs> really can't wait um but yeah bruckner uh you know i really like his prior stuff and there was direction wise a lot of stuff i really liked here in the night house um he he really showed a good command when it came to like the scares of knowing how to really build suspense like during the actual scare scenes he i would say it's like he kept the pressure on that suspense so tight and in control until he was ready to pop it and you know regardless of how i kind of feel about other aspects of the movie that part i thought was handled really well was the scares big time and that had a lot to me to do with him i'm with you man The, the direction in this film is pretty good um, there are some some moments that are insanely creepy uh, that I wish had been expanded on and been kind of the bulk of the film. But I think this film leans way too heavily into drama. Uh, and 
that can work sometimes. I just, I'm tired of seeing it. It, it, I feel like most horror movies these days are trying to like convey some message or something. Like they're trying to be dramas. And I want just an old fashioned, you know, haunted house movie. Is that so much to ask for? <laughs> we'll get it when Insidious fucking five comes out with Patrick Wilson directing. And I wish I was making all that up. That's all confirmed. Fucking hell. <laughs> it's, I wasn't, it's like all confirmed. Everything I told you was the truth. Well, like Insidious got shitty. Conjuring got shitty. Like, give me something good, please. <laughs> antlers. We got antlers coming out. I want antlers. Oh, but I, I don't want that trailer. And I don't want that end up ending up being some kind of like, you know, deep anti deforestation I, message. I don't shit. think that it, with Dotor producing. Nah. And he's definitely going to be raining on Scott Cooper. I think it's, I think that's going to be a creature feature. Knowing Dotor and what he likes with movies, that is going to be a creature feature through and through. Okay. You're right. I trust Del Toro. I do. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Doto was, yeah, Scott Cooper's directing, but Doto is producing. He's the money. He tell, yeah. he says what happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's hoping. Because so, this one, I feel, was a lot of wasted potential and a misleading yeah. trailer. Yeah, this one, to me, you know, and like I was telling you, like, I was, I was on board. Like, I'm, I was okay with, like, the theme of grief. Um just because of like, like I said, the scare scenes were handled well, and I thought Rebecca Hall was wonderful. That um, I was more than like down with the theme of grief and the story that was being told. It's when we got to the ending, man, and you know we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But that ending just that was when I kind of started checking out. Went wait, what? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of cool ideas presented here. A lot of different directions this thing could go in. And I think the, the road it took was not the most intriguing one. A lot of different ideas are introduced here. Possibly a cult, possibly a serial killer, possibly a serial killer's ghost. But in the end, we end up with like basically Final Destination. <laughs> yeah, actually, I actually like Final Destination more. <laughs> At least they're fun. God damn it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are fun. Hopefully the announced pop reboot that's supposed to be happening it stays fun. Or the fuck that comes out. <laughs> like many things before it was announced, I've heard nothing since. Them's the breaks. Yeah. Rebecca Hall stars as Beth, a grieving widow. Um, Hall was, no, was also in The Prestige, The Town, Iron Man 3, Professor Marston and the Wonder Women, The Gift, and Godzilla versus Kong, just to name a few. She's in so many high-profile stuff that a lot of people don't know who she is, which is I unfortunate. Think, yeah, I actually, I think if I remember, she's incredibly underrated, in my opinion, because she's an amazing actress. I've always liked her um, since I saw this little film, little horror film she was in called The Awakening. I forgot what year it came out. I remember watching it on Netflix and being like, oh, she's really good. I like, I like this this actress and yeah she's constantly just been great in anything she's been in and again she she is wonderful in this movie she's uh you know we were talking about before the show she's when i think of like you know the oscars needing to expand outside the little months i would this would be a movie i argue because i'd argue that at the very least i think she deserves a nomination for this movie she does wonderful and what's essentially like her show you know what i mean like this is her her carrying this entire movie 
I could see, uh, you know, in a in a just world, a best actress nomination. I could see that happening. I think also, like, if the Oscars were to consider this film, I'd, I'd maybe shoot it a nomination for production design. Yeah, yeah. Production. Uh, yeah, and sound. Sound was spectacular in this fucking movie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Hall won me over when I saw The Gift for the first time. That was the movie where I was like, she's she's good. Dude, and, uh, oh my God, I love that movie. That movie's so fucking eerie. It's like the whole movie is a calm before the storm. It's like you never get the storm, but you know that with, with or without you, there's going to be a fucking storm. Yeah. Oh, God, that ending is one of those haunting endings, man, because you don't know. <laughs> Uh, that moment where he just takes the cast off and like throws it away, like <sighs> that movie is underrated as fuck. I love that movie. Oh, dude, that's one of those. That's kind of like the raid. I try to get anyone that has something like, dude, you have to watch it. You have to such a good fucking movie. <laughs> uh, my favorite scene in the night house with Rebecca Hall was when the uh, the Karen shows up wanting the. Uh, grade change for her son and Rebecca Hall is just like I buried my suicidal husband last week you want a, you want an A here you go and she's like no a B is, a B is fine <laughs> like just shutting that shit down was so satisfying yeah especially because she was she pulled that we all have personal matters and then she shows her son and goes my husband killed himself <laughs> It's like, I really don't give a shit what you want here. <laughs> what, what you came in here, you want, you want a B? He has a B. Uh, uh, it's fine. Oh, you want an A? I'll give you an A then. No, a B is fine. B it is. She's just like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> and then leaves. It makes her look like such a horrible, horrible person. That was. She uh, was. Yeah, she was. As you know, I'm studying to become a teacher right now. And I can tell you one thing, I'm gonna have zero patience for that shit. Dude, like as soon, yeah, dude. I as, as soon as she came, I was like, oh God, it's one of those parents. I was like, oh dear God. Especially when she pulled the VR first miles. I'm like, usually in my experience, bitch, when someone says they had personal matters, that means you it's something they don't want to talk about. It's usually death or God knows what else. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not something they're trying to say out loud. So maybe not throw that in their face. It's personal. <laughs> yeah. Because guess what? I know if I'm dealing with personal matters and something I don't care to like say, I won't. I'll just leave that personal matters. But something like, like I care less, I'm like, oh, yeah, I had to go do take care of this. Sorry. Yeah, personal matters isn't like my car's in the shop. That's my husband's dead. <laughs> and even then, your kid didn't do the damn assignment. So it's on you. It's on the kid. Yeah, yeah it's not <laughs> on the teacher. The kid didn't do an assignment and... Jesus. Yeah, no, Rebecca had a lot of great uh moments in this movie. Uh one of my other one of my other favorite moments was when she went to go confront that lady at the bookstore. Oh. He's like, Yeah, blew his head off. <laughs> the way she's so upfront about it during these scenes, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Well, just like I, the the other girl's like, Oh, I'm I'm sorry. She's like, Yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> like did you fuck my husband? And she's like, no. <laughs> like, there's this like, oh, are you gonna hurt me? Kind of vibe to her. Oh, dude, I got even I got scared when she's like, 
take off your bun, lay your hair out. Why? Because I'm asking you nicely and you slept with my husband. I was like, Jesus Christ. I feel like I wanted more at the bookstore, though. Like those occult books and everything, like in the little statue. Those kind of felt like red herrings. Like we never really got anything on that. They, we they, were, the, they were the definition of MacGuffins. Like they were the Hitchcock definition of MacGuffins. Which kind of makes me mad because I actually like had they gone in a more cult direction and then it, like I think it would have been a better film personally. It would have made sense with the idea of like because I do like building a house, an exact replica, but opposite of the house to confuse the demon. Again, could have been like a cool cult thing. So I feel like there was part of I don't know much about cults and a cult. I'm sure there's something in there about that that could have been further explored and more satisfying in this movie. I've been a number. I've been involved in a number of cults, both as a leader and a follower. You make more money as a leader, but you have more fun as a follower. <laughs> That's from The Office. <laughs> One of my favorite Creed quotes. <laughs> oh boy! But yeah, I think taking a cult direction would have been a little smarter. I think this whole nothing demon was a cop out. Yeah, and it wasn't very satisfying. To be honest with you. Sarah Goldberg is Claire, Beth's best friend. Goldberg was in The Dark Knight Rises, The Report, and the HBO series Barry, among other things. And she's not bad. Good friend. Um, I liked when she just jumped into the water to save Beth at the end. That was that's what a good friend would do. Yeah. She she was good. Uh hey, again, it was kind of weird because like the main time, like I said, the main time she kept shutting Claire down on stuff, like. There, stop talking about. I was like, are they building up that many? She's like part of some like cult again. Is she part of some cult? Because she doesn't seem to really like her digging into her husband stuff, even though she's finding out her husband was possibly a cheater and all that stuff. But it was like, no, just a concerned friend. But I was like, oh, okay. It and did look up- like that. Um, it did look like they were going in that direction. That she had some kind of like knowledge about what was going on that she made might have been involved and it did look like she was pressing beth just like leave it alone don't do you know don't don't get involved but you know in the end nah nah she literally was just stuck wanting her friend to potentially find out her husband was a cheater (laughs) um vondi curtis hall plays mel beth's neighbor uh, Curtis Hall played reporter Ben Urich on Netflix's Daredevil and also appeared in the films Broken Arrow, Falling Down, Romeo and Juliet, and he had a lead role in the medical drama Chicago Hope. And this dude just casually saying, like, oh, yeah, I saw your husband, like, covered in bruises and mud after, you know, going into the woods with a brunette and coming back alone. <laughs> but I just left it. <laughs> Yeah, his whole thing, like, well, he asked me not to say anything. I was like, I saw my neighbor go into the woods with a woman that's not his wife, come back without said woman, not his wife. I'd be like, maybe I should call the cops because this is strange. But then for the guy to like to break down and be like, no, no, it's okay. I'm only going to do it this one time. Dude, you are like neighbor of the fucking year to just be like, well, if it's just this once. Like, <laughs> if, if it's only this one time, I'll let it go. Yeah. Like, but, but not every day, you crazy kids. 
I swear to God, if I see you come down this path again. We all commit one murder in the woods. I mean, come on, who hasn't? But more than one, I mean, you're, you're getting into crazy territory there. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do three. Jesus Christ. That was so weird. The guy to just be casual, like, I never, like, I told him I'd never tell you this, but uh, giant revelation about your life. <laughs> yeah. I told him I'd never tell you. Even when he's dead, I would still not tell him because apparently he had a hold on him in, in death. I thought he was going to be revealed to be like the fucking ringleader or something. Yeah. Again, leading into possible like cult, which I actually was like expecting, even because of the way he uh, went to go save her at the end. French jumps in the bar. This guy's just casually walking down the stairs. Like he did not run. Now, I was like, I know you're old, but Jesus Christ, dude, you're, you're looking like it's just another day. <laughs> uh, well, you know, in a world where your neighbor just murders women in the woods and you're kind of complacent, maybe it is just another day for this guy. <laughs> we call that an accessory, my friend. Oh, she's, she's finally killing herself after I told her the secret that her dead husband told me not to tell. <laughs> Uh, speaking of dead husband, Evan Jonakite plays Owen, Beth's complex husband. Um, he played Toad in X-Men Days of Future Past and also appeared in Whiskey Tango, Foxtrot, and Bone Tomahawk. And we don't get a lot of this guy, obviously, because he's dead. But th- the moments we do get are fairly misleading as to who this guy is, and it's mostly him playing the demon. Uh, nothing, as he's called. Yeah, I don't really have a lot to say about this actor because, yeah, when he plays nothing, it's clearly not his voice. It's like someone else voicing the nothing. So I'm like, mm, yeah, he's in the movie. He's there. He doesn't like, do a lot. Nothing. They couldn't, like, make it, you know, like death or the devil or any number of demons. They just went with, like, a general nothing. It's like they watched Supernatural and they were like, oh, hey, we really like uh, the nothing that was represented here. Let's just do that. Except Supernatural made that way more interesting. Yes. I was thinking about that the whole time. Like, this is the fucking empty. <laughs> oh. it, yeah. It, oh, that would have been interesting had they actually just went ahead and done like death. Yeah. Made sense. You know, you escape death. You can't escape death. Death wants his. Right. I mean, it's not like that's new territory. Found Destination did it for five fucking movies. Yeah. Uh, another thing that turned up on Supernatural quite often. Death wants oh, yeah. it. Is. Yeah. Death was a character. So, yeah, they easily could have done it. Death. Especially with the way nothing is presented, they could have done death. Yeah. In fact, I would have gone a little further and just presented death with a gift of random junk food from some Midwest state. And then you would just be fine. That was my favorite little touch in Supernatural, that death loved not, like, regional junk food. (laughs) Uh, Like, when Dean summoned him and he's like, I bring to you fried pickles, and death's like, you got ten minutes. (laughs) I love that show. That was such a good show. (sighs) I was very sad when it ended. I know, but that, that... as I know a lot of fans were upset, but as far as I'm concerned, that show stuck the landing, and I enjoyed that last season. I Yeah, I thought, it, you know, look, 
obviously yeah, that last what six seven episodes were very much like filmed during the height of the pandemic but unlike the walking dead season 10 bonus six episodes they pulled it off like they actually like wrapped the story up made it work and yeah i thought they sucked the landing um and you know josh can make fun of supernatural all he wants it's a fantastic show that sucked the landing he's not a fan i don't think he's that big of a fan no too uh too cheesy pie for him probably yeah. I'll just make sure I'll just make sure to get like the uh, the 15 season Blu-ray sign just watch it a lot around him. Well, you know, for a show that went 15 seasons, obviously you're never going to please everybody when it ends. But the fact that it made me sob harder than I I've, I've ever I've cried in years, that to me proves this this meant something to me. So there was there was a hole in my heart when I watched that. I was like, "Oh man, it's really over. I'm not watching mm-hmm. this anymore." Well, let's not say that. <laughs> I've already resumed a rewatch. I'm in the middle. Well, of I mean, one. you know, like not like not what like I mean, like no more new episodes. Not like a weekly thing. I got to look forward to and watching and being a part of my life. Like it's the end of the road. Storyline is finished. I'm not so sure about that either. I think once Walker gets canceled and Soldier Boy gets killed on the boys, I'm sure they'll both go back to CW with a pitch. I don't. I don't think so. Just I think. If anyone would, it would be Turd Padalecki. But I don't – from what I hear, Rocker's doing just fine. So it'll probably be on for a while. Um, Who would have thought? Yeah. I, who would have thought? <laughs> uh, I, I honestly can see – I could see him coming back if anything happened. I don't see it with Jensen Ackles because from what I've understood, like that guy's been offered shit ton of stuff. But he kept saying no Supernatural. So, like, he clearly – agents and hollywood has had their eye on him for a while i think now that he's freed up from supernatural we'll see him do a lot more different stuff i think so i am willing to think soldier boy and the boys is gonna be the tip of the just like the tip of the iceberg or a small minute thing of what we're really about to get from him we'll see we'll see uh frankly i I feel like uh, a, a, a 16th season or a reboot or whatever would tarnish the ending and really kind of take away from the like what it meant. So I don't, I mean, where do you go after fighting God himself? I, I honestly don't, I don't just because if they've been so good with the fans, I don't see them wanting to bring it back. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, the night house has an IMDB score of 6.9 rotten tomato score of 85%, which I think is pretty generous. It's grossed a little under 3 million so far. Uh highlights let's talk highlights uh there's a moment that got under my skin and it's when uh beth has had a few too much to drink and she lays down on claire's lap to fall asleep and all of a sudden like it's the whole damn house like vibrates (laughs) and you're just like what the fuck is happening (laughs) i'll give him credit like that's what i'm talking about when i said like bruckner had such good control and like scares that scene in particular like that whole entire sequence because I remember jumping, like, I, I mean, I fucking jumped. Because I wasn't expecting, I was like, this is really nice. Oh, God. I was like, <laughs> and it doesn't let up. Like, when the girl runs from behind her and that fucking sting with the music. And, yeah, oh, God, this was honestly like a really well done, creepy scene. That, and then the other scene where she's in the bathroom and she, like, can touch something. 
and she holds it and she's like, Owen, and it goes, no. Yeah, it tells her I'm not Owen. I was like, oh, no. I got, yeah, I got little goosebumps on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that gave me goosebumps. Um, I did like uh, some of the scenes they did of like before you find out its name, right? And you kind of see it in the background. It's like that human outline shape. Mm-hmm. At one time when she's like walking in her basement, I think, and like she kind of takes a step back and she's like, what's that? And you just see it, like, look at her. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah, I like that. Oh, sorry. Um, so we we learned through this movie that Owen was plagued by this demon who was like, hey, I want your wife. Like, hey, buddy, I want your wife. She escaped death long ago. And instead of just moving on to one of the other billions of people who have died since then. Uh, I want her specifically. It's really fixated on her. All yeah. these quick throwaway story that's said, like, what, in the first 30 minutes of the film? About when she, like, died for four minutes as a teenager? Yeah. And she said, like, there was nothing? Well, that, that, that's such a cop-out. Be like, like, his name is nothing. That's stupid. A little blunt, but it is. I do. I did think that was kind of stupid. No, it, yeah, I didn't really. I was, like I said, I was not satisfied with his name and all that stuff. So let's go through this thing's thought process real quickly. We were talking a little bit about this before we started recording. Um, it was just so weird. So Owen is told by this demon that's whispering in its ear, "I want your wife, and you're going to give her to me." So this guy goes to an occult bookstore reads up on demons and learns that he can trick demons by trapping them in mazes, I guess. So he decides to go build a mirror image of his house in the woods. And frankly, that thing looked like, like a, a small garage. It did not look the same size as the house. No, not <laughs> like a clubhouse almost. Yeah. Really tucked away in the woods. Yeah. And um, in order to appease this thing, this guy, this demon who has been fixating on Beth for like 15, 20 years, can apparently be tricked into taking any brunette with similar features. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, like I said, I don't know why I got so, like, don't get me wrong, Rebecca Hall is a beautiful woman, but like to be fixated on this one person for 15 years. It's Come on, just weird. Well, then for Owen to just be like, well, I don't want it to take my wife, so I'm going to kill so many women. <laughs> like, brutally. Like, not like a gunshot in the back of the head or anything humane. I'm going to strangle these chicks. <laughs> and then, like, bind them up to look like tortured souls and then feed them to this nothing demon who is going to realize it's not her every time. Which means your p- evil plan ain't working, Owen. It didn't work even one time because you had to do this like 15, 20 times. Yeah, I was like, at what point did he not think to maybe try to change it up because it like, wasn't working? Yeah, nothing on day one is going to be like, that's not her. He's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it is. See, brunette, hot. He's like, I know Beth. I watched her die. I know what she looks like. That's not Beth. <laughs> like, you know this conversation happened so many times. 
And every yeah. time the guy's like, again, I told you, that's not her. Stop fucking with me. That's not her. And you think like the, after like the fifth time, he's like, okay, look, I want to give you another try here. Okay. If you keep doing this shit, Owen, you won't have a problem. Okay. I'm not coming over here to play Xbox with you. I want your goddamn wife. I was Owen. I'd get pissed and just one time give him a blonde. And he'd just be like, fuck you, Owen. I'm not taking this one. I'm not doing it. This one's on you. That's your prince, asshole. Just... The true story is the the budding relationship between this demon and Owen. <laughs> like, this dude becomes like Owen's wingman helping him score brunettes. Yeah. And then, like, in the end, he's like, you know what? The real treasure was the friendship we made along the way Owen <laughs> we're cool after, after like after like the 10th time he's like you know what you want to just go play some video games <laughs> I'm tired. he's like you've made me love love Owen go be with your wife <laughs> it's just ridiculous you know that some of these conversations happen where he's like that's not the brunette I asked for Every time, you know who I want. I don't know why I'm even using you. I'm an all-powerful demon. Why don't I just go fucking kill her? Look, Mr. Nothing, you asked for brunette, hot, female. I've given you this. I don't see the problem. Whole time, she's was like, you're feeling the part where I said your wife, the one you're married to. I didn't hear that part, Mr. Nothing. I didn't... <laughs> oh yeah you didn't hear me well hear this go shoot yourself in a boat asshole <laughs> you think what he did Mr. nothing just went wait no i wasn't i wasn't being serious like no i first lost my friend <laughs> he got actually like really sad <laughs> starts looking for like backup friends like mel mel you don't know me but you want to score some chicks <laughs> I like brunettes. You like brunettes. Smell. <laughs> Larry. <laughs> Mary. Oh my God. This I'm is, just... it's, it introduces so many like weird situations. Like, yeah, I just, uh, it was, it was an odd direction to take the film in and just made this demon look kind of stupid, kind of goofy. Like, I don't know. And of course, you know, it is all supposed to be a metaphor for grief. So did this even happen? Was she just losing it? it yeah, that's that's the weird part. Um, I think, honestly, had they, they should have dropped the grief metaphor. Had the storyline of, like, she's still grieving, obviously, over her husband. That's fine. I think had they gone in something more occult, something like that, I think this would have been a better film. Because, like I said, the, the MacGuffins were there for her some kind of creepy ass cult my biggest issue is when she finds the many many bodies under the floorboards of the second house tries to call her friend one time and then just completely lets it go never brings up the fact that there's a dozen bodies in a house in the woods that her husband killed right what if mel was at her friend's house just don't, don't answer don't answer it's 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 her don't answer just, just it'll be more funny if you just like go to voicemail Mel shows up at the house like, you know, your husband never wanted me to tell you this, but he murdered about 20 women in that house. 
Just honoring a dead man's wish, Beth. Yeah. Kept telling him a demon Kept telling me a demon wanted him to do it I didn't take much stock in that just Shows up and like Just tells the whole goddamn movie He just shows up at her school One day because it's a cell she's a teacher She just shows up in the middle of her class Her husband killed people Beth <laughs> She really need to get that off my chest I made a promise to a dead man but seeing as he's dead I guess I can say it we all know promises null and void when the other party kicks the bucket. <laughs> yeah. With that in mind, my first wife did cheat on me many times. <laughs> Told me to keep it a secret. He just can't stop telling secrets. He just lets it all out finally. <laughs> I'm free, goddammit. <laughs> uh, uh, I give this thing a seven. I, uh, I was on board for a bit. There's some creepy moments, but the whole angle of the demon and just ignoring the husband's crimes like justifying that like to save his wife he murdered a dozen women and that's totally cool <laughs> like no killed uh, a lot of women that are now playing I guess volleyball with nothing or the fuck he does in his spare time he's not just fixated on one hot brunette you know <laughs> <laughs> No, I I gave it I gave it a seven. I I think I remember I texted her. I was like, it was an eight for me up until that fucking ending. Because like, yeah, I thought Rebecca Hall really carried this movie. Um, the scares, you know, Bruckner really showed to me some real scare skill and craft with the scare scenes. But that ending, with like, it it, it hammered home the theme of grief. But like plot wise, like. No, like I'm just saying, going well, wait. We're not. I mean, if her husband couldn't beat this fucking thing, you think by you just not committing suicide and finally, I mean, over your grief, it's going to go away? Like it's been fixated on you for 15 years and watched you in numerous situations, both appropriate and inappropriate, for 15 goddamn years. Like I don't, I don't think you not killing yourself is going to beat it there. Beth, and then there's the whole thing with like, yeah, you're fucking your husband and murdering a lot of women. Yeah. It just, yeah, the, the ending does try from the theme, but it just plot wise really kind of muddles shit up big time. Yes. And that's where, you know, for me, that's the deal breaker. Once you start fucking with the plot, I'm out. Yeah, so that's why I say like it. It wasn't anything. It's then, and it's a seven. I I won't take away from Bruckner's skill and Rebecca Hall's performance, but yeah, that ending just really that ending just didn't like it. I don't think I felt this way since watching Signs. Damn, that's a whole new discussion because I I fucking love Signs. I know, but I'm definitely on that fence of the twist ruining the movie for me. They could swap them, like maybe Mel Gibson murdered a whole bunch of brunettes, and this demon's allergic to water. <laughs> it just falls in the lake and is like ah, ah! <laughs> burns up like the red the red virus at the end of Osmosis Jones. <laughs> you know it's you know it's sad because of Noah Gibson's very public uh, downfall there. It, the spot makes fucking sense, unfortunately. 
at the risk of a slander lawsuit, I will say that I'm going to word this carefully. If it, if a story came out that Mel Gibson had killed a few hookers, I would not be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, pre that, I'd be like, that isn't, I can't see that. But after what happened with good old Mel Gibson there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a wacko. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, sorry about the, less than great output this weekend, but it's not up. It's not us. It's, you know, whatever the weekend gives us, it's the movie release calendar. It giveth and it taketh away. Yeah. Hopefully next weekend with Candyman, we'll be firing, firing on all cylinders with a nice good episode for you guys. Cause I know yes. we are, I know for the two of us, I, I'm going to say the whole film has to We're pretty excited for fucking Candyman. Yeah, this is big. We were supposed to get this last year. We did not. And here we are finally Candyman. Uh, the long-awaited sequel from Nia DaCosta uh, looks creepy as shit. Very much a direct sequel to the first film and a worthy successor, it seems like. So hopefully that is uh, going to be good. Yes, and I'm looking forward to watching the original in time for it. Yes, indeed. We also get the Ted Bundy FBI drama No Man of God and the Hulu comedy Vacation Friends. So it sounds like a good weekend, potentially. Just yeah, three movies. That, That's manageable. Three movies and all three actually look pretty good to me. So mm. I'm actually I would probably I will probably go on my way to watch all three of these. Also, don't miss the original Candyman on Wednesday's Filmgasm podcast and a best picture showdown on 1946's The Best Years of Our Lives on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week and keep watching movies. <laughs>